Hello and welcome to the No Pun Included podcast, the only board game podcast in the world to have ever guest starred on an episode of The Love Boat. Wow. It's it was always a big honor. I think this is one of our biggest achievements, probably. This is normally where I say something witty, but I don't know what the love boat is. Or informative, but I don't know what the love boat is. Well, a love, the love boat was a, a, a TV sort of, a, I'm not sure if it was a sitcom. Oh. It was, it was something. It was, it was about people on the boat getting, getting in love. love. <laughs> you know. Is I, it old? Or? Yeah, it's very oh, okay. old. I think it's from the 80s and I literally mm. remember nothing about it. So if the love boat was problematic... I apologize profusely. And if you're a fan of The Love Boat, please let us know what it is and why we're on it. And with that introduction, I would like to let you know that on today's podcast episode, we will be talking about three board games. And those board games are Boats, Boats and the opposite of Boats, which is Robin Hood. Oh, you gave that one away. I you know. You just said Forest or something. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's what it is. It's just Robin Hood. So we'll be talking about Fleet the Dice game, which is not the hottest roll and ride, but maybe like kind of like a hidden gem. Would you say a hidden gem category? I think uh, a lot of people like it. Well, yeah. Ooh, ooh, that's what I. That's what I. That's what ooh, I, the, the buzz. Uh huh. Uh huh. We'll be talking about the Crew Mission Deep Sea, mm-hmm. the sequel to the hot trick-taking game the of crew. 2020, oh. The Crew. <laughs> so I've jumped in too fast. Well, Elaine, <laughs> you're ruining this very professional I podcast. Know. I know, what's wrong with me How today? will we ever recover from that? We can recover by telling people that the third game we'll be talking about today is Adventures of Robin Hood. And you might ask, what is that? Well, Robin Hood is what people had before they had Star Wars. And if you're asking what's Adventures of Robin Hood, then it's Adventures Calendar, the board game. See what I... Because I, it, it's Advent Calendar uh-huh, uh-huh. and it's Adventures. Uh-huh. And I've combined those two together. And here we are, right in this moment, awkwardly staring into each other. I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, shall we? Shall we talk about one of the board games? Why not? Hello, it's Fleet the Dice Game calling. Who's gonna pick up the call? I don't know how to do Morse code, so because oh, we're on a boat. Yeah, mm. but that's that's not a. You don't get Morse code on a on a telephone. You you get it on like a telegram. That's a telegram. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right, that's not that's not a telephone. Those those are two different things. Wait, I didn't know you were doing a telephone. You didn't do the you know telephone symbol, what? like the thumb thumb in ear, I mean, tiny finger in mouth. No one no one saw me. We're on a podcast. <laughs> I saw you. I, I you know it's your word against mine. <laughs> I could have said that I've done it. Anywho, Fleet the Dice game is apparently the dice game version of a board game called fleet which i we guess have not played. no um but i I've, I've played fleet the dice game and i will tell you elaine that i liked it very much did you like it did you like I it liked elaine it less than you yeah yes what a shame so uh fleet the dice game if you're not familiar is of a genre uh of board games called roll and rights where you have sheets pencils and some a randomizer of some sort in this case dice mm-hmm. which then lives up to the genre's name of roll and write. Mm-hmm. If you have cards instead of dice, you have... Flip and write. Yeah, exactly. Um, very exciting. If you have peanuts instead, you have eat and write. What? That's not pe- a peanut... If you, have, if you have peanuts and strawberries, then it's eat and mess. It, it just goes on and on. <laughs> a peanut is not a randomizer. 
How would you randomise with a peanut? Can I, if, if you opened a board game box and there were peanuts in it, you would go, how random. Well, I, I can't argue with that. No. It reminds me of that Jeff Kornberg video where he put jam in oh, yeah. the jam. That was brilliant. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's such an obvious joke, but no one went for it and he did. Why would and anyone I, else go for it? Yeah. <laughs> why would anyone else do that? I think there's something about Jeff. Uh, let's move away from the lowest hanging fruit uh, and back to Fleet the Dice game. And instead of fruit, we're going to be talking about fruit of the sea. As oh, that was a very good segue. Wasn't it just? Yeah. yeah, I know, right? I'm proud of myself. Because in Fleet the Dice Game, you'll have shrimps, you'll have cod, you'll have lobsters, swordfish, oysters, and king crab. And you will be sending out boats to, to get those fish. You'll be fishing them. Yeah. Yes. So uh, one of the things that immediately springs out at me looking at Fleet the Dice Game, and I'm looking at you mm-hmm. at, at it because mm-hmm. we sort of laid it out on the table nicely. Uh, because we're professionals, is that unlike Roll and Writes from other genres, sure. this has two sheets, not one. Yeah, so it effectively has two parts to it. Right? Which, which it, it represents like the two halves of the game each round. I guess so, yeah. It, I it, think so. It, it does have some functionality in terms of the two sheets are sort of like, I guess not distinct, distinct strategies, but two distinct elements, mm. but they could have just as well been one big sheet. I think it's just for the purposes of box size, they split it into two, which, you know, by all means, go ahead. Uh, and it also feels, I don't know, kind of neat, luxurious, and at the same time, overwhelming to have two sheets for a roll and write. Yeah, because it's like the size of an A4 sheet when you put them together. So it'd be mm-hmm. quite quite big if, if that was it'd be like a placemat. This is it'd not, be like a placemat that you get in a restaurant for kids where they can colour it in. This is not your grandmother's rolling right. No, this there's, is not. There's two sheets here, which means it means business. The business of fishing fish. Uh, what do you do in Fleet the Dice Game? Please please tell the audience. Well, the, the reason I said that it's like a two-part thing is because mm. you have two pools of dice. Yes. And you will be rolling one pool of dice, which I can't remember the name of, maybe fishing dice, and then you will fill in some boxes on the fishing half of mm-hmm. the, the sheet. And then you will have another pool of dice that you will roll um, and again, I can't remember what that's called, uh, but it will have different abilities and you will fill in the kind of the market side of your sheet. So it's got like the market, the wharf and the harbour. So it's not fishing. It's kind of fishing adjacent. It will get you different types of points. They will have different abilities depending which boxes you fill in. Yeah, it all has sort of thematic sense and it does start to lose it at the end because the fishing dice, you, you know, you have boats and fish. Those boats go out to sea, you have fish. And then you have the other side, which is like the harbour. Okay, yeah, that's where boats land. Then you have the market, uh, which, you know, also makes sense. You sell the fish. But then you have things like the wharf where you have a casino and canning company and a small... I guess those make sense most of the time. Maybe not the casino so much. You have the boat phase and the town phase. That's what they're called. I just grabbed the rule book because... I couldn't remember the names of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the boat phase is where you do the boating. Mm-hmm. And then the town phase is where you do the other stuff, like the market and the wharf and da-da-da. Yeah. So one of the neat elements for me about it is that e- e- each time you're in, in a phase where you use dice, you will roll the dice and you will select one of them. Mm-hmm. And then the other player will select another and another right. player will select another. But then the one that's left over is Can like you, everyone gets yeah. that, right? And that's such a neat thing because like I remember when you explained it to me, mm-hmm. I was immediately like, well, what is the point as the second player of me selecting anything? Because I'll get both the things, mm-hmm. right? 
But mm. you were like, well, n- no, you won't because you're denying me as right, the first right. player one of the things. Right. And that's immediately like a fun wrinkle in a two-player game. But with more players, it becomes even more wrinkly, I think. Yeah, there was a similar mechanism in Copenhagen, the ro- the dice game, mm-hmm. where you took a dice and then the other players could choose from what you'd left behind. Yeah. And I liked it in that and I like it in this too. Well, I like it in this more because it's, then it's like everyone gets it's something. It's tighter in this. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah, sure. and 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 there's a little bit more to think about. But so here's the thing. So let let's say let's say you're in the boating phase and you pick up, you pick up one of your fish dice, which might have a shrimp or a cod or a lobster, and then you get to color in like a little dot on your lobster track. What does that give you? Well, nothing. You'll need more lobsters. <laughs> uh, but then eventually you'll get a license, uh, which means you can you can start fishing lobsters, and then you'll get a boat. Which means you can actually put the lobsters in, that your, boat. You, in your boat that you fish somewhere. Uh, but the cool thing about the license is that it's a special ability. And there's like like a whole set of these special abilities for each type of fish. Right, right. So a lobster has three different special abilities that unlock sequentially. And same for the swordfish, same for the oyster, you know. And and they really break the rules of the game mm-hmm. in, in a very wide way. There's just a lot of different stuff that starts to happen. For example, if you get the shrimp license, uh, then from then on, uh, whenever you choose the shrimp die, it counts as any face. Like yeah, so any can, anything you like. It doesn't matter what you pick. Yeah. You can you can use it as anything. And it does it does change it quite a lot. I, I quite like that about it that w- what you fill in influences how you play the game. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of choice in what you are filling in on both the fish track and also the town track because the, the so you it's kind of explained the fishing. Mm-hmm. And then when you pick the town dice it will give you various different bonuses. So uh, if you fill in the fisherman's pub, you fill in the little square on that, it will automatically give you 10 victory points. That's it. Boom. Yeah. When you filled up four of them, right? So so there are different things that will give you various different bonuses. And, and the way that you choose really influences how you will fish, what you will fish, and then what you will choose during the town phase. It, there's just so many different paths. But I think what I really like about Bleed the Dice game is that it has enough space for it to go very very wide but it also feels constricted because let's say for example you've gone hard into lobsters yes again right you know because because you enjoy a bit of slap and tap or whatever and, and then you're getting these lobster boats and these lobster boats you know you're very good at fishing the lobster as you continue you know but then suddenly you realize that all your lobster boats are full right yeah, yeah. And, and and like there isn't that many spaces on boats there's like four spaces and then you're fishing all these fish and they go nowhere. They literally do nothing. And so it, it's it's one of these games that has a lot of different paths. Enough for each game to feel very distinctly different. But at the same time, you can't zero in too much. And you have to mm. sort of diverge mm. into many different areas. Because if you concentrate on one thing, you're not going to get very far. So you need to find like these kooky combinations of all these different abilities of how you're going to go. And I imagine there's not like an infinite pool of possibilities. But again, there's like... You know, just just on the licenses, there's like 15 different abilities, right? Yeah. And you can go like whichever way you like. And then there's more abilities in the wharf. There's more abilities in the harbor. There's all these different things going on. The thing is, if you don't diversify and then someone leaves you a dice with something on it that you don't really want, then you kind of are going to be stuffed a little bit because you're going to mm. be starting at the beginning mm. when 
you're halfway through the game. Yeah. You start, you're going to be start filling in the, the first COD box that does nothing halfway through the game. And you don't want that. So, so you want to be kind of filling up bits and bits. Having said that, I'm just looking at the sheets that we played with. Mm-hmm. I filled in no COD boxes. <laughs> well, so you can, what have but, you got against COD, Elaine? It's, then, it's, the, it's the standard British staple of fish. That's true, yeah. yeah. Cotton chips. Cotton yeah. chips. I, I prefer haddock, honestly. Than you know, if we were like, uh, ever wanted to quit the board game game yeah. and just become like uh, comedians, we could be cotton, cotton chip. chips. Oh, yeah. chip. Just one, one chip. Just one chip. Oh. Yeah. Oh, please. No, it sounds like a really bad like ventriloquism act <laughs> <laughs> that would be slightly offensive. Oh, no. I know. Yeah. That's I, the worst. No, let's let's not ever do that. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, can I talk about maybe the things? OK, one last thing that I really liked about go this on, go on, was then. how well laid out it was on the sheets. Yeah. So, so you're never worrying about like which round are we on? Because there are literal tick boxes for each phase of each round that you just tick okay we're on this phase now we're on the next phase now so and in this particular round there's no fishing so we know to skip that right exactly yeah yeah. Yeah, i thought that was really really good things that i didn't maybe like so much about it go on um i i found the art very jarring now i know you didn't like the art on the box right but you liked it on the character sheet Mm -hmm. character sheet on the player sheet right (laughs) I'm a character in my own life. But what I kind of found really weird about it was the the box art and the kind of explanation in the rule book is very dark. Like it's stormy seas. You're going to end up in Davy Jones's locker if you don't, you know, what? manage to do the fishing. Right? Exactly. And then you get out the sheets and it's like this calm, peaceful little... Mundane little like, town, let's go fishing. Right? Let's yeah. go fishing. Yeah. And it's really, really jarring. Um... And also mm. the rule book I found very confusing uh, and a bit higgledy-piggledy. I know you really struggled mm. with that. You, <laughs> a little you, bit. you had to watch videos and there weren't a lot of good resources for learning the game. No, there were a couple though and they were yeah. very, very helpful. But it's it's kind of just walls of text really, well, uh, which so, isn't helpful when you have so much on the sheets. Mm. So to come in the defense of, of, of the, the artwork a little bit, I, I get that it's jarring because I, I, I don't like the artwork on the box. And this can from eagle and griffin who have this sort of duality of like their productions without ian o'toole and their productions mm. with ian o'toole uh-huh. so their productions with ian o'toole are obviously fantastic and their productions without ian o'toole leave leave something to be desired let's just say that uh fleet the nice game falls somewhere in the middle of that actually mm. where it doesn't have a particularly great looking cover uh because it has the the name of the game on a parchment texture and there is nothing quite I dislike as much as parchment texture in graphical design. <laughs> Why? It is just so naff. It's so naff. I did I just don't like it. It, it looks did you never do that thing at school where you like stained something with tea bags to make it look old? Yeah. You know, like yeah, in history no, where you had you to mean. pretend to yeah, have written a Magna Carta or something. Exactly. It's <laughs> the equivalent of that. Like, oh, how do we make things look old? Oh, I know. Parchment the texture. The funny thing is, like, right. uh, parchment at the time didn't look like that. 
Like it didn't look old at the time. I've no. seen I've seen handmade paper. Yeah. Right? Like you assume because it's old and people mm. didn't have the paper making techniques we do now that it did look No, it didn't. I've seen handmade paper made of linen and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it looks like paper. It doesn't look like this. That's amazing, actually. I, know. I never considered that, but now that you tell me it seems so obvious. Like, okay, it wasn't as bright white, you know, clean as we have now, uh-huh. but it wasn't it wasn't this. No, I I get it. I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, and so it's you know the the typeface is this weird red color. It just looks unpleasant. It looks like a game that's gonna be stodgy, heavy, and not fun. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. You open the box. There's you know these nice sheets with these like slightly brighter pastel yeah, colors, and yeah. it's pleasing and calm. And it, but it's and got the, like modern, very very modern. Um, boats in it. Yeah, like it's jarring because it goes from like oh these dinky little boats and stuff like that to like literally what looks like the love boat. Um, <laughs> ah, uh-huh. I'm getting clues as to what it was. <laughs> yeah, well, it was a cruise ship, you right, see. Right, I see. Uh, I remember that much. Uh, but yeah, there's this nice wooden first player token that's like a, a boat wheel, and yeah. and the dice have this pleasant texture to them. It's nice. It's a really nice production that's let down by a horrible box. Yeah, I, I quite like the artwork on the box. I'm Do you sorry, really? Like, yeah. yeah, as a complete aside. It just looks um, so tired. It, like there's, there's boats in the stormy sea and there's thunder and lightning and it's like, But isn't you know, that evocative for you? I don't know. It's evocative of a bad day, and I don't want to think about a bad <laughs> I, day. I came in uh, on a boat that that was on a sea like that once. Uh, so did I. I it went was to horrible. I went to Orkney on, on a storm. Oh, yeah, yeah uh-huh. that was uh-huh. something else. Uh-huh. Uh, thankfully, I was in a ferry and not not oh, a boat. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, maybe enough about artwork because yes. I'm sure. The people on the podcast are tired of listening about the visuals. Maybe, yes. Uh, please tell me, Elaine, what else did you not... Why did... You know, it's the game. I, what's what's, yeah, up, what's yeah, up with you and the game? Yet. Yeah, uh, I just found it very bitty. And I mm. think there will be a lot of people that like that a lot that that there are so many different ways of it felt a bit point salad i don't know there's right, so many yeah. different ways of getting different points uh but but at the same time there felt like better ways of getting points and worse ways of getting points and the fact that you have a kind of randomizer in it, mm-hmm. it felt kind of a bit weird i know what you mean you like i i wonder what the the fidelity of this game is in terms of how many actual good avenues are there in this game or you know it's it's hard to say without you know 20 plays or whatever but i don't know i i just enjoyed exploring it i'm not saying this is like the the best roll and write in the world but for me this was an above average roll and write and and that's a rare thing actually because a lot of roll and writes these days are pretty average and this isn't one of the newer ones either this is a couple of years old yeah for sure i i I don't think it's bad by any means but i think there are better rolling rights out there Mm, okay well you know what okay so this is what i'll say i agree with you that that the many different paths don't necessarily feel like they are very 
well tuned. I will mm. I will use those mm. words. Uh, but I will say that I disagree slightly with with you with the with the criticism that it feels a bit point salady. Okay. Because it does. But unlike a lot of point salad games, it doesn't feel dry. It feels crunchy. There's, sure. there's yeah, texture okay, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, there's something to latch onto. So uh, you're right. And there is also that competitiveness between choosing the dice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and maybe choosing the thing that will less help you but more hinder your opponent exactly yeah, you're right you are right well there you go we've come to some sort of a consensus on fleet the dice game but this boat is about to leave the harbor because the next one has to come in poop poop that's a train oh. <laughs> no that's choo choo <laughs> you need to go do do that was very good thank i concede you. thank you that's my best boat impression uh that i've ever done in my life Let's talk about the crew, Mission Deep, Deep Sea. Sea. Boop. Boop. That was a submarine. That was very good. Thank you. I was impressed. That Thank was a you. great submarine. Well, I feel like we've been here before, but when we've been here before, we've been in space. And now we are under the sea. Now, that doesn't make any sense. How can you be under the sea? There's like earth under the sea. I never thought of that. <laughs> But that's a phrase, under the sea. Yeah, I know, I know. It doesn't make any sense. But you're still in the sea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Right? Picking apart linguistics as we go along on this uh-huh. world-famous board game podcast. Talking of which, there is a philologist in the game. Oh, yeah, as one of the... Ro- the game, yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, so for those of you who are unfamiliar with the crew... You should really, 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 really go and watch a video on the crew from last year that we did. That's one of the most successful videos we've ever done. Mm. Uh, So there you go. Uh, That should tell you something about how great that video and the Mario sequence in it, that is. But what the crew (laughs) is, is a trick-taking game. And if you don't know what the trick-taking game is, then definitely please, please go watch that video Mm. first. Just type in, no point included, the crew and into youtube into youtube and or just generally i think it'll come up into you know type into browser the the search engine will activate if i if i bing that will it come up i think so wow yeah anywho uh no point included the crew and i will then teach you trick taking (laughs) and once you've learned trick taking uh, please come back for me to tell you very cl- quickly <laughs> once again what it is. Trick taking is just a, a type of card game. It's been around since Yonks. It's the reason we have suits in a regular 52 card deck. Is it really? Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah. And it, it's it's just one of the most historically old genres of gaming. So that's cool. On top of that, it's notoriously difficult to explain. So all I'll say is that it's a type of a genre of game where you play cards, each person plays a card, and then someone wins that trick and the trick being the pool of cards that you form by playing a card each and whether that's good or bad or maybe there's more cards or less uh, is entirely dependent on what game you're playing you could be playing bridge you could be playing durak you could be playing any number of trick-taking games from old and new alike this is one of them Mm -hmm. but what's different is that this is a cooperative trick-taking game so The really cool thing about trick-taking games for me is that a lot of these games are about less about what's on the table and more about what's in your head, Mm -hmm. right? Because the the appeal of a trick-taker is bluffing, it's card counting, it's deduction, you know? It's trying to suss out what's in your opponent's hand 
based on the information you have, and that being the cards you have in your hand, the cards that have been played, the cards that have been discarded, the cards have been that have been taken into hand. And the hands, frequency of the cards. And the frequency of the cards, exactly. Uh, because not all trick-taking games will necessarily use a 52-card mm. deck, for example, mm. as is the case in the crew. So there's, there's a lot of stuff happening, and then also based on how your opponent is behaving. But here, it's taking all of that gameplay and flipping it on its head by, by saying... You have to still do all of that, yeah. but not because you're playing against someone, because you're playing with someone, but you're not allowed to communicate. That was very good. Thank you very much. I tried. Mm. I tried to impart. I, I was mesmerized by mm. that explanation. Oh, well, thank you very much. I really tried to impart the appeal of trick takers because I think sometimes it's hard to... People focus on teaching the rules a lot. And I think that's not an important part of trick-taking. The important part of trick-taking is the headspace and where it puts you at. Wow. Profound words. But here's the thing about the crew. So the crew was a game last year that came out that took that and, you know, kind of posed challenges to the table mm. and said, you know, well, uh, here's four suits. They're numbered and colored, you know, so there's a blue suit numbered one through nine and a green suit numbered one through nine, etc., etc. And you split them up between all players and then the game just poses you challenges and says things like, uh, you know, uh, one of you, this person specifically, has to win a trick with a green seven. It's up to you how you do it. Figure it out between you. And then there's some pretty simple trick-taking rules. So, for example, if I'm leading the trick and I play the first card and that card is green, which means every person on the table has to play a green card mm -hmm. if they have one. Mm -hmm. If they don't, they can play whatever they like. But they're uh, probably not going to win the trick. Well, it depends on what I played. If I played a green nine, then I have played the highest nine, which means they all have to pitch in a green card from their hand if they have one that that they're probably not going to win the trick, you know? So right. if someone else has to win a green seven and I just played a green nine and they had the green seven mm. and that's the only green card they have. They now have to play it into the trick, which they won't win. And we all lose the game. Once again, we can't talk about it. Yeah, that's a super clever part that you can't talk about it, but it does give you some mitigation because you each get a radio token mm -hmm. and you may once per game, I guess, put that radio token on one of the cards and where you put it on the card, you put the card out in front of you so everyone can see that card and where you put that token shows some information about that card. So if you had a green seven, for example, and that was the only green card in your hand, you could think, okay, I need to tell everyone that I have the green seven. So you put the card down, you put the radio token in the middle of the card to show you have the, that is your only green card that's in your hand, mm -hmm. right? And then if you put it at the top, it shows that that's the highest green card you have and bottom is the lowest green card. So it does give you some, but you can only do that once per game. And the once per game is so critical because you play that green seven, you telegraph to everyone and it's like, hey, please, like this is the information, right? You all wanted to know this. And everyone's kind of like, you know, we already knew that. You should have told us right? something else, right? You get withering looks from people and you're like, oh, did I tell the wrong thing? Okay. Yeah. Whoops, never mind. Yeah. And it's all communicated with just sort of like stares, you know, and well, you can't even, you technically can't communicate, but sometimes you can't help but infer information from the mm. game, you know, just by how everyone is behaving. <laughs> and I think that's one of the funniest parts of this game, honestly. Oh, that, that's the thing, because it's cooperative it's really hard to keep a poker face uh -huh. because you want someone else to win because yeah. you 
want to win, right? Yeah. So you want to win together as a team. Mm. And it's really hard. Not You know, it's a bit like in Magic Maze where you're dobbing the thing like yeah, over and yeah, over again. Yeah, you're yeah, kind yeah. of mentally dobbing the thing over and over again. Something I really like about the crew and... You know, the same with the first um, edition of the crew and, and mm-hmm. the same with the Deep uh, Sea mission um, is that it has a narrative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really nice. It has absolutely nothing to do, it seems, with the game that you actually play. It's not a very good narrative either. And it's not a very good narrative. Well, I don't know. I read the entire story uh-huh. in the first one just to see how it ended uh-huh. because I wanted to know. Did you really? Yes, I did. I did because we didn't play through every mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, we were kind of chopping and changing between missions, weren't we? We'll get on to that in a sec, yeah. Sure, yeah. But no, I, yeah, I did. Did read the whole thing and and i was satisfied Wait, yeah, really? was. Okay, right. um, but it's, it's i think it's a really fluffy thing to add mm. uh it's a really cute thing instead of just having this kind of abstract theme mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. or setting or, or whatever uh where you're underwater or you're in space there's this whole narrative that goes around it and I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's nice. I think it's naff. But I agree <laughs> I that like it, naff things. Whatever. I agree that it adds something and it's better that it is there than it isn't there. Mm. Now, uh, people who are familiar with the crew and haven't yet gotten themselves a copy of the crew mission Deep Sea mm-hmm. might be wondering, why are we talking about the crew all over again? And we're not really telling people anything new about the new edition. Yes. That's because there largely isn't anything mm-hmm. new. If you have the crew, mm-hmm. enjoy your copy of the crew. It really doesn't add that much. No, I think if you have the crew and you really, really, really like it, I think some of the missions in this are different. Yes. Uh, and towards the, not not the beginning, they're the same yeah. at the beginning, but I think... Well, they, not quite. Like, oh, okay, so this is, I'm bearing okay, the lead yeah, yeah, here no, as yeah, well. Sure, so okay. yeah. Well, yeah, please, let's talk about that. Okay, so there, this is the one thing that is really, really different, uh-huh. right? And it's the mission structure. And guess what, Elaine? Guess what I complained in our review of the crew about? The one fault I found in the entire game. What was the complaint, Efka? It was the mission structure. Wow. And they changed it. I had it. no idea. I feel like I, I influenced something. It's as if I have a job that that <laughs> has <an> influence. <laughs> <laughs> on things oh no yeah oh no oh dear this is worse than the ventriloquism act i'm so sorry uh anywho but yeah they they retooled it and they retooled it in a smart way because my complaint about the crew uh the first edition was the way the missions were structured were like okay well you have to win one trick with the specific card then you have to win two tricks with a specific yeah. card. Then you have to win three tricks with a specific card. Then you have to win four tricks with a specific... <laughs> and on and on and on. And then it changes it up once. And you're like, okay, you have to you have to win uh, a game without taking a trick without any nines or something, you know? It's like, okay, okay. This okay. person can't win and, pink no, trick. And not, a, a trick can't be won with a nine. Okay. Mm. All right, okay. Now a trick can't be won with a nine, but also someone has to win a trick with this one card yeah now you can't win a trick with a nine yeah we get but it we get it yeah, yeah i know i know i'm deliberately you know emphasizing the repetition <laughs> all right okay so anyway it was dull and they might be driving uh it was dull as dishwater and i i really disliked it and the, the reason we never played through the campaign properly in the first crew was like this is boring can we just like chop and change you mm. know and 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 pick the missions that sound interesting that's what we did here uh the, so there is a campaign structure yeah but but the missions themselves don't 
don't necessarily like adhere to the campaign structure. They're more like randomized yes. from this massive pool of different. 96. 96. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which this that's just a lot of missions you know you're probably n not gonna go through all of them and if you are by the time you get around you'll forget what they do you know what i mean like there's yeah, a lot yeah, there's yeah. a lot of variety and then they combine in different ways so you can have unpredictable combinations of what the mission yeah. actually is it's much better it's much better but it's scaled to like difficulty and player count mm. and stuff like that so that's really nice there's a smart little system in it yeah, because you're you're kind of reaching a number. Yeah. So each of each of the cards have got uh, numbers on the back of them. Uh, the the mission cards have got numbers on the back. So and it will it will scale for player count. So it will say like three players, four players, five players, and have a different number. Mm. And you are revealing cards up to that number. So for example, if if the first card has a number one on the back, and the booklet says you need to reach at the number five. You know you need four more to reach that number, that target mm -hmm. number. So that might be one more card, that might be two more cards, and so on. Yeah, you could have just two tricks, but one of them is really difficult, one of them is right. really easy. Right. Or you could have a more even spread. It's just a nice, it's a nice level of variety. I really, really like it. Uh, that's one of that's the major change in mm -hmm. in this new edition. Mm -hmm. uh, the second major change I would say is the artwork on the cards, which feels a lot more pleasant and silly. And when I say silly, I don't mean in like a bad way where everything's just silly but there's there's some elements in the artwork where it's like why does your underwater helmet look like it has knitting on it right and then you then you read that like uh you know the plot revolves around a 10 year old girl who's really into diving whose name is meg diver i believe or something like that and and so and then it seems that when you start the game that she's grown up. But here's the thing I've noticed. Yeah. Right? So the very first entry in the rule book is dated like uh, when she's 10 years old and it's like 1981 or something like that. And then the game seems to jump forward in time because uh, the diary is written as if like, oh, well, you know, I've had all these underwater adventures and I've learned a lot about underwatering and I'm an uh, underwater expert. So it seems like Meng Diver's grown up. But you had a theory. But but the, there, there are no more dates for some reason. The dates no longer appear. It's just the time of day. And I think, just judging by the artwork, that there's some clues that we might be in someone's imagination I think uh, that's quite sweet. That's my... If I ruined the plot for you, I'm so sorry. I have not played through the plot enough to know that that's actually true. Or maybe it's just a guess. But that's my running theory. Let me know if I'm right or wrong. If they are only 10 years old, they are a very, very smart 10-year-old from the language that they use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, why not? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? But you're right. I, I, I go, can go with that completely. Mm. But it could be someone's imagination. And actually, I like the idea of that. I know, it's a right? very sweet thing. It is, isn't it? Um, yeah. The, the writing is naff. And the writing is still naff. Poor translation. But, but you know, it's sweet and lovely. And I, I'm kind of won over by it. I'm charmed. And I still really like the crew. And you know what? Here's another update. We finally sat down and played this just two-player. Because we always mm. thought that the crew was going to be rubbish two-player. And, and it wasn't. And it wasn't. It was perfectly fine. I mm. really enjoyed it. The the, the, the trick-taking was still crunchy and we had to, you know, and it was nice because we got to zero in on each other and kind of go, you know, yeah. you know, why are you thinking? What am I thinking? What's going on? So it kind of introduces this bot mechanism where the third player is 
the, the bot, right? Yeah. And, and, and is always controlled by the captain. So the captain is always the person who is playing the first trick and uh, and they will make the decisions for the bot. So they will choose the card that they play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are uh, seven cards face up and seven cards face down. Yeah, so and, you're only seeing half the hand of what they have. Right, yeah. exactly. Um, and then once those, once the top card is gone, then you can flip over the, mm-hmm. the card underneath it. And there were a couple of times when I was the captain and I was like, oh, wait, I don't know which card to choose for this bot. And it matters what you're going to flip and reveal as it the next really card. Matters. Yeah. Because you're thinking, what hasn't been revealed yet? So even in a two-player game, it introduces that element of not knowing what the third player has, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and kind of going, well, I don't have it. Do you have it or does the third player have it? Yeah. Right? Or, you know, it's just very clever. I like that It's a very simple mechanism, it. yeah. Mm. It's a very simple mechanism that works a treat. I really enjoyed the crew two-player. And then I asked Elaine, can, can we... Can we play this more, please? Yeah. Can we can we have it in our rotation of casual game night? And Elaine said yes, and that made me very happy. <laughs> so once again, the crew, big recommendation. If you have got the crew, you probably don't need the crew mission deep sea. If you haven't got the crew, you need to get the crew mission deep sea. Otherwise, I just need to mention that a review copy of the crew was a mission deep sea and also the original. <laughs> was provided by Cosmos Games, as is our very next game in this very, very episode. Dun, 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 dun. You don't need to do a sting. We have a sting. <laughs> oh, we don't have a Robin Hood sting, though. Right, okay. That was the Robin Hood theme tune. I see. I, I, didn't, I didn't know Robin Hood had a theme tune. Yeah, you know, Robin Hood, Robin Hood, riding through the glen, you know. I, I, I expected a little bit more from Brian Adams, Rod Stewart and Sting. Who? What? <laughs> I mean, I know who all those people are individually, but what have they got to do with Robin Hood? You know, uh, oh no, no, I'm so sorry. They did the they did the theme tune for the Free Musketeers, not Robin Hood. Because it's all for one and it's one for all. Ta-da-dun. Have you, do you not remember the song from the 90s? It was like the number the one in the charts. No, it's no. the film. It was the Three Musketeers film. Uh-huh. There was a film. And then Sting, Brian Adams and Rod Stewart. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Did a song called All For One. And it was like no, I've, I, number no. one in the charts. I will no. have to play I, it for I you after this podcast. As, as someone who enjoys obscure music, uh-huh. I can't believe I don't know what this is. Anyway, we're not talking about the Three Musketeers. We're talking <laughs> about, about Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. Wasn't there a Robin Hood film that Brian Adams did a soundtrack for as well? Oh, the is it, was it the Men in Tights? No, or? no, like the serious one with Kevin Costner. Oh, probably. Yeah, Brian Adams did a lot of things. I know. Uh, if if you know whether Brian Adams did the soundtrack for the no, Robin Hood do, film, no, we can Google it. please let me know. <laughs> no, I mean, no, let me know in the comments. <laughs> no pun included.com slash podcast. Thank you very much. Should we talk about the game? Yeah, let's talk about the game. First of all, let's just mention that we have played the Robin Hood game in Nottingham. Which is completely irrelevant because apparently, according to... Tony Robinson. Yeah, there was no Robin Hood in Nottingham. Well, no, possibly not. But Tony Robinson did that whole series of Maid Marian and Her Merry Men, so mm-hmm. you know, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And had Didn't Danny John Jules in it being brilliant. But Robin Hood, nothing to do with Nottingham. Well, no, probably not. It's just because it's the sheriff of Nottingham. 
But Robin yeah, Hood wasn't around here. Yeah, but don't spoil it. It's like there's the only thing that anyone cares about with Nottingham is Robin Hood. Well, no, there's the Sleaford Mods as well. What's the Sleaford Mods? The Sleaford Mods. <laughs> it's a band from Nottingham. It's a local band that's popular on a global scene. Really? I, don't, I don't like them very much. But that's besides the point. They're okay. from here. Okay, there's some cotton mills that were pretty important in Nottingham. Anyway, let's, let's should we talk about the game? So... Uh, if you're excited about Adventures of Robin Hood, then uh, you will not be the only one. I was very excited about Adventures of Robin Hood. It was nominated for the Kennespiel. I want to say the Kennespiel oh, this year. Really? Yeah, or or the Spiel des Jahres, even maybe I'm not sure. One of one of the Spiels, right? Mm. And it it lost. Uh, I believe it was the Spiel des Jahres, and I believe it lost to Micro Macro, oh, right? Okay. But that was the German edition, and finally there is an English edition. I feel double bad. Because Cosmos Games sent one of the very few early review copies they had. Mm. Literally, they had like a couple or something like that. Mm. And they were like, would you like one? And I was like, I'm really excited about this game because, you know, it's nice. We live in Nottingham and there's Robin Hood and this game seems really good. It's ad it's an advent calendar that is an adventure it, board it game. It was not advertised as that. Can but, I just say but that? But it, it is. It and, was and the as we were playing it. And the components seem so lush. There's this leather-bound yeah, booklet. Oh, yeah. You know, like that's a book. So you open it's a literal book. It's an act. There's a book. There's a book. There's a leather. Well, I think I imagine faux leather bound book. And I hope I hope faux leather bound book. But you know, like you open the book and there's a story and it leads you through the thing. And it's like, you know, it's just really, really nice. Not only does it lead you through the story, it leads you through how to play. So there's not like a massive rule book that you have to read first. There's some kind of basic movement rules and things that you Mm -hmm. have to get around your head. But then you just jump straight into this book. And it literally tells you what to do step by step. Yeah. And, and it helps you, it holds your hand through the first mission, I think, or the first kind of scenario. Uh, and then it goes, okay, we'll just keep repeating that until you finish. <laughs> well, anywho, I was, re- the point is, I was very excited. Yeah. You know, I uh-huh. was very excited. Uh-huh. And I am disappointed to say that I think The Adventures of Robin Hood is fine. I, I liked it more than you. Maybe not very exciting. I liked it quite a lot more than you, I think. Did you from, really? From what you just said just then, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because okay. I'm, I'm quite looking forward to playing it again. Are you? Uh-huh. I am not, frankly, looking forward to it. There was a lot it. of reading. It wasn't just a lot of reading. Okay, so so let me let me set the scene here. Imagine, if you will, a, a board split up into eight parts. That I can you, imagine that. That you will then assemble together into one big board. And that board will have many little pieces, like much like in an advent calendar, that you will take out and reveal something. And then you maybe will keep that piece removed and it'll change the landscape of, mm-hmm. of Sherwood Forest and Nottingham mm-hmm. and whatever. And and the board itself is a picture, you know, of, I don't know, the, the area, the location, all the where all of the adventure takes place. I mean, place. I think it's made up because, you know, I didn't see like the park that I take Bessie to or whatever on this map. So I think it's a pretend map. Has to be, right? Didn't, didn't see the mattress you know against the fence down the road that that's not on the map yeah and it has some funky things so the way you move around this map so each of you controls a character it's a cooperative storytelling game right so one of you could be robin hood the other person in the two-player game has to be little john but then you know it it sort of diverges and the story focuses on on other characters as well there are nine episodes in total Mm -hmm. so you will play this game nine Mm -hmm. times and then there is a plus mode which i think changes up things a little bit Mm -hmm. but largely i imagine it's the same story we've only played the first two uh chapters of this nine chapter game so this is very much 
certain early impressions. And it is entirely possible that the game will get better as it goes along, which is why I'm looking forward to trying it again. But it, it, my excitement has waned a little bit. Sure, and, okay. and I'll get to why in a second. So here's the exciting part. What's nice is the movement, because I like how simple it is. Because like it actually, war game type movement. Yeah, it, yeah. it borrows movement from, um, from like war games, but much simpler than that. <laughs> where it's like, you know, you have your piece on the map and then you put a template and then, you know, you get to move. It's kind of a piece with a built-in ruler. Yeah. So you don't have to measure anything. You just move this piece that has a particularly long foot, uh-huh. like, like a snail, right? Yeah, that looks uh, very bizarre. That looks, yeah, very bizarre. And you have a very long one, and then you have two shorter ones, mm-hmm. and then you have your regular piece. And that's the only measurement that you're doing. And if you don't use the long one, you get a little bonus. Yeah, you get some... What's the opposite of fatigue? You get a good cube. A good cube, yeah. You get a good cube. We'll get onto the cubes in a sec. But you get a good cube. And, uh, you know, that's nice. I like that it's it's very... Instru- there's no, like, you know, borders or anything like mm. that. It's just kind of, where are you and where do you want to go, mm, right? Mm. And if you land on a thing that has a number and and a flippy admin calendar part, you get to maybe, potentially, depending on what kind of number it is, manipulate that admin calendar part. And the way the game sort of checks that is by not letting you flip things that aren't important to this particular adventure. Yeah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Because there's the different types of numbers. So one one type will always flip if you land on it and right. you read the passage. Right. I am getting this slightly wrong. It won't necessarily flip. You'll just read the passage in the book. But, and, and it might flip after that. Yeah. yeah. The only consequence of it flipping is that it changes the landscape. Yes. So that's, again, a really nice element because suddenly, you know, let's say you were, like, fishing, which is totally made up. Maybe you fish in this game, but, you know, you're fishing and you see the imagery, you know, depicts, depicts like, this big lake and there's, like, lots of fish in it. And then you go and investigate and go, what's what's happening here? And the book says, well, you can fish here. Like, do you want to fish? And you go, yeah, I want to fish. So, you know, you'll you'll then flip to the next page or whatever, how, how, whatever it tells you to do. And it says, well, you fished and you get all this fish. But now you have to flip this tile over and there's no and more the fish. fish. Are gone. Yeah. And visually, you can tell that the fish are gone. And that's kind of it. There are not, as as far as we know, fish in the game. N- so far. Not, not to the best of my knowledge. And so, you know, I, okay, it's not kind of it. There's, there's this whole, like, you know, it's a cooperative game. Mm-hmm. So there's like a timer. Mm-hmm. And there's all these guards that you need to deal with. And if you deal with, you extend your timer, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice. But you also might get captured by one of them. There's like different zones. Mm-hmm. So if you are in a like brightly lit zone and it's it's literally just like, is this a lighter part of the map or a darker part of the map? But it's not hard to tell. No, no, it's not. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, then the guard could spot you. If you stay to the shadows, maybe it's harder to navigate. You know, you, yeah. you, you're slower, but you won't get captured by the guard. If you get captured by the guard, you have to spend your turn doing nothing. Always great to skip a turn. One thing I'll, I do want to mention is that when I heard about this game, I thought, how is this going to be replayable at all? Like, mm. okay, so you have these nine scenarios, but how are they going to make any more? Because surely once you've taken, when once you've opened the advent calendar door and you know what's behind it, that's it. You know what's behind it, right? Yeah. You, you, can't, you, you can't open it again and get more chocolate out of it. Mm. But it doesn't work like that. And Mm. and actually it works in a very clever way where you might be, so you might take a certain piece off Mm -hmm. and you might reveal a guard underneath it. 
Yeah. Right? And so for this game, that guard will be active. Mm. But then another game, you will cover it back up and you will, will reveal a different one somewhere else. So the guard will be somewhere else on the map. And I like that a lot because although once you've revealed everything, you're going to know what's underneath them, mm. the game will change depending on where things are in that game. Yeah, I, I think what I liked was that there is an element of learning the map and you flip something and go, oh, I didn't know this did that. Mm -hmm. And then in the next scenario, you can utilize, you know, your knowledge of the landscape yeah. to, you know, more effectively traverse the terrain uh, or, you know, get to the thing that you need to get to. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm being a, very coy about the plot, which is kind of funny because this is one, one of my big problems with the game <laughs> is as mechanically robust and exciting as it is, because I like the systems in it. Yeah. I like the push your luck system yeah, with uh -huh. the cubes when you uh -huh. fight. And then if you don't move a lot, you you have more good cubes when you fight and stuff yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. The game is very cleverly designed. And I think it's it's almost immaculate, actually. But what I don't like is that nothing interesting has so far happened. I've spent two hours with this mm. game. And in the story, I, I do want to say nothing happened. Mm. You know, like one mildly somewhere orbiting around cool thing happened, but, but, but not cool, like orbiting around cool. And the rest was just like, well, things happen and you go about and you're Robin Hood. Mm, I understand what you mean. I guess I didn't much get a feeling of Robin Hood from it. No, yeah. Um, and, and I can see why you would dislike that quite a lot because Robin Hood, in every representation we have seen him, is a very exciting character. Exactly. Like, you know, robbing from the rich, giving to the poor. I nearly got that the wrong way around. Didn't it, Russell Crowe do Robin Hood? Oh, I hope not. There's no way that was exciting. <laughs> <laughs> this does not have that tension that you feel when you're watching Robin Hood. You, it doesn't have that kind of Errol Flynn, like fighting, you know, swashbuckling type mm. action and energy that you would expect possibly from, from a Robin Hood adventure. It's not just that. It's that there's, there's, there's scarcely anything that happens generally. Like... When the when the plot moves along, yeah. like something happens, but I would never call it exciting. I never felt like, oh wow, this is a cool turn of events. It's more like, well, you went there and you did a thing, and now you have to go somewhere else and do another thing. Yeah, I understand. I understand your complaint about that. For me, I don't know if it was the frame of mind that I was in when we played it. But mm. I really enjoyed that. That there wasn't this frenetic, frantic energy that when we were playing the game that everything was just very slow and you know then there was a couple of exciting bits like when you're fighting are we going to pick the right cubes out mm -hmm, of the bag or, mm -hmm. but it wasn't anything that was raising my heart right you know and, it, and it was just very chilled out and very calm and I just spent a nice evening playing it with you and for that I enjoyed it I guess but look here's here's the thing so I'm not a big fan of advent calendars for the simple reason that you 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 have this thing that you're meant to be like patient about and then you open the thing and you get really naff chocolate or like a really naff knickknack, right? And for me, an advent calendar adventure board game has so much potential as an idea because like the world's your oyster. You could you could really open this up to so many different ideas and things. And I guess in my head, when, when I heard adventure calendar board game that has this lush book mm -hmm. and the landscape changes, you could come up with so many cool things that are happening. 
and and nothing happened and and i think for me i'm i'm more and more reaffirmed that there are a lot of great board game designers in germany but what i think german board game publishers should do yeah. is hire great storytellers to go along with the great sure. designers because those skills don't necessarily overlap and i i okay so like the book is written well and everything you know the text flows well it's mm -hmm, nice mm -hmm. but nothing's gripped me so far yeah and it's not a problem peculiar to robin hood like i think board games generally if they have a story element in them need better writers for for the stories um as a whole mm. um i i think that that is a way to go um to, to have that grip grip i guess of, yeah. of story but first of all i don't think advent calendars enough you got me a really good one last year i did like i don't think i've had an advent calendar for 20 years but you got me one last year that was um dice uh, and it was fantastic those are really pretty dice. I, oh, I know I did well. Look, the, this is the thing. If you're going to get someone an advent calendar, get them a good one. You know, get something that has inside of it a thing that you're actually going to be excited uh -huh. to find. To open everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. That I think that's very important. But secondly, I agree with you that, that there is a huge amount of potential in mm. this kind of advent calendar style where you're revealing things and 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 the fact that because it's not a static board that new things could be introduced to it so as long as they cut the same shapes out of cardboard different things could be slotted in into different places in the mm -hmm. map um and so i agree with you that that maybe it needs a little bit more zhuzh but mm -hmm. i didn't hate it when we played it no i didn't hate it i just wasn't particularly excited about it and i am hoping that as we go along there's a little bit more in the episodes following maybe yeah. maybe maybe we were doing because it, it was very a very slow not steep slope no and here's Shallow here's slope. my other criticism about it it was incredibly controlled the entire yeah. time yeah so so the game doesn't let you read the rule book uh, and you can read there is a rule book you can read it but it'll spoil story elements for you instead you're taken through a guided tour of the rules as you're playing chapter one, chapter two, and then more rules are still going to be introduced. I know that because I did read the rule book mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we still haven't encountered everything, right? So you're, you're handheld through the first at least three games and and it feels like that's generally the tenor of the game because it's basically going, uh, you know what, now you have to go here. And you're like, okay, I'll go there. And mm -hmm. then you go there and something mm -hmm. happens and you're like, okay, now go here. Okay, now do it this way. All right, now that way. Oh, okay. When do it? No, do it that way. Oh, okay. Now do whatever you like. Oh, no, this is scary because I don't know half the rules. And actually, oh, wait, no, I'm still constricted. They just pretended that they gave me control. Yeah, it was it was like being told what a car is and then going, right, now you can drive, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you're like, for, ah, for like a moment, ah. right? <laughs> yeah. For like a moment. But then it was actually not at all that. It was, we no, were it still was being intuitive. handheld. Yeah. Well, but it was quite intuitive once we, once we started doing it. It was quite simple once we started doing it. No, look, my problem isn't the fact whether it's complicated or confusing yeah. or simple. My problem is that I feel like I am just being taking... Controlled. 
I'm I'm, ta- I'm taking on a guided tour. I'm like in the zoo, but I've been put into this like glass corridor, right? And I can only go from point A to point B, which is the end of the zoo. Does that stress right? you out? It's not. It doesn't stress me out. It's just not interesting. Mm. You know, I I didn't I didn't come here to be in a glass corridor. I want to play in the zoo. They're not letting me play in the zoo. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason they're not letting you play in the zoo after after last it's, time. It's this kind of attitude. <laughs> That doesn't give us great board games, Elaine. <laughs> I wonder, though, because where we finished playing our games, we got to a bit of a story arc, mm-hmm. right? And I wonder if we've just done the tutorial and now we will get into the game more. Maybe, but but I, I am... So I guess it's not very professional to speculate. But what leads me to think that that's not necessarily going to be the case is because the whole map and the landscape is very dependent on the scenario like where you go because yeah, certain things are important only to that scenario so there's no reason for you to bimble around into places <laughs> you know that that don't have any relevance to you so you're always going to be on this guided tour because you're always going to have to go somewhere where the adventure wants you to go well, yeah but it's not a video game is it it's not an infinite board in front of you it's not wonder wherever you like in this no, i in know this map. I, I don't find that engaging I, I I don't like this sort of go there, go do the thing, flip the thing, the thing flipped. Are you excited? Go ne- to the next like thing. You don't like authority. <laughs> no, not really. You don't like being told what to do. I absolutely don't. But yeah, I hope if there are more scenarios in the future, or even the ones that we play in the future, that maybe there is a little bit more pizzazz. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I enjoyed it as this calm, hand-held walk through the zoo, you know, maybe chuck a monkey in there somewhere to do a bit of screaming and pooping on the car, sure. Wow, what an analogy. That's what they uh, do. That's what happens when you go to the zoo, when you drive through the... I don't know what kind of zoos you've been to, Elaine. <laughs> you know, they pull your windscreen wipers off and, you know... I think that's a safari. Well, same thing. Sure. All right. You have been listening to the No Pun Included podcast. Are you Are you glad you have? <laughs> Where the monkey will poop on your car. And if you don't want that to happen, uh, leave a nice comment. Go to nopunincluded.com <laughs> slash podcast. Leave a comment. Enjoy more say, episodes. Even if you don't do that, the monkey won't. Po- if a monkey poops on your car, it's nothing to do with us. Even it, if you don't leave a comment. It's just happenstance. Right. Please do not get lawyers involved. <laughs> if if you enjoy and want more of this nonsense, you can always visit our main main channel, which is on youtube.com slash included, where we do excellent board game reviews. And finally, if you really, 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 really enjoy us, you can always back us on Patreon, patreon.com slash included where you will find a lovely community of other patrons, exclusive access to a Discord server, some bonus videos that we do. It's a good time. I promise you that. And with that, why don't you say goodbye, Elaine? Goodbye, Elaine. Goodbye, Elaine.